Amen. Good morning. Be seated. Thank you so much for being with us. Why do good songs matter? And remember, good songs is not just good notes. Why do good songs matter? Because songs like that preach before I even get up. And we celebrate that we worship and praise and serve the risen Lord who has secured for us the victory over death hell, sin, and the grave. Thank you for being with us on this first Sunday after Easter as we gather and we remember, we celebrate, and we reflect upon the fact that the empty tomb on Easter Sunday secures for us the privilege, the opportunity, and the joy of worshiping the risen Lord every single Sunday of every single year. We celebrate Easter over and over and over again. Thank you for being with us. If you're a guest, I am so thankful that you've decided to join with us and take your time to be with us. I pray that you have felt welcome. I do want to ask you to do me a favor. Adam already mentioned it, and I'm going to ask one more time. On our website, you can fill out um, a, a visitor's card to let us know you were here. But since we're back inside, we got all kind of fun things for you. If you've never filled out a visitor card for, for us, you can do that on your bulletin. And so we would really appreciate if you'd fill that out for us. If you've never done this, if you're visiting with us the first time or the 30th time, if you've never filled one of these out, would you do that? And on your way out, we've got these orange buckets that we're using to collect offering right now during COVID. Um, and on your way out, if you would drop that in that bucket, just let us have a record of your visit. I'm not going to come knock on your door this afternoon. i got a meeting, so you don't have to worry about that. I, I just want to drop you a letter in the mail this week and let you know that we appreciated you being here. And if there are ways that we can serve you, that we can minister you, we can care for you, we want to do that. So please take time to do that. This evening, we our equipping studies are coming back. It's going to be a um, an abbreviated equipping studies or concentrate. It's kind of a concentrated equipping studies. It's kind of like that syrup that you buy and you mix it up with something else. It's going to be four weeks. It's going to be hard hitting. Uh, I'll be totally honest. We've not done as well as we should have. And when I say we, I mean me. But then I bring everybody else in to make me feel better about it and communicating that. But those do begin tonight. We would love to have you. If you didn't sign up already, you can sign up online. Kevin put together a, a, a great page for that this week. You can do that. You can just show up tonight at 6 o'clock, and we'll get you in the place where you need to be. I'm going to be honest. It's going to be a little chaotic, perhaps, when you get here, because we're not 100% sure who's going to show up and how many of y'all are going to be here. And so we might end up having to do some acrobatics with some rooms. We think we got it figured out, but we do appreciate you guys trying to be patient with us as we try and do that for the next four weeks. All right. Other things are in your announcements. Please pay attention to those. Um, we've, we've printed those out for you. Again, trying to do our best to communicate well as we move forward. Having said all that, we're in the book of 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3, we've been reading through the Bible together. Uh, we've been doing that since January, and so if you've been keeping up, then you've made it almost to this place. You're going to actually be in 1 Kings Next week, and we're going to read this morning the story, the account of Solomon's prayer to the Lord asking for wisdom. So 1 Kings chapter 3, beginning in verse 4. Isn't it nice to be inside? Are y'all enjoying all being together? Yeah, we'll have some more chairs out for you next week. Y'all kind of crammed in here, but uh, we, will, we will spread those out and try to make as much space. And how nice was it for us to see all of our children go out together this morning. God's blessed us uh, with a lot of good things. While you're turning, I just want to remind you that we are very blessed to be a church uh, that is multi-generational. And uh, I'm so grateful that we can look up on our stage and we can see uh, teenagers playing and we can see senior adults playing and singing. And hey, if you have the ability to play an instrument, if you would like, 
to have the ability to play an instrument, if you think you might have be able to sing, or somewhere deep inside there's this passion to sing, but you're not sure you can, y'all call Kevin or send him an email. We'll pull it out of you. It's going to be amazing, right? He, he's going to reach in there and pull things out of you you didn't know existed. So we'd love to have you there. All right, stand with me in honor of God's Word. 1 Kings chapter 3. Beginning in verse 4, we're going to read all the way through verse 14. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, Because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David my father, although I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this, your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this, and God said to him, Because you have asked this, and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has been before you, and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, So that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for the wisdom given to Solomon. I thank you for the wisdom that, Lord God, your word passes on to us. And as we consider this word this morning, I pray you would give us wise and discerning hearts, not only in this day, but, Lord God, in all the days to come. May you be glorified, honored, and praised through the proclamation of your word, Lord God. Would you do more through this than we could ever imagine? And certainly, Lord God, would you do more than this feeble man can accomplish? We pray these things in the name of Jesus and the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. When I was a kid, I loved G.I. Joe. I did. And my assumption is that every kid that grew up in the 80s loved G.I. Joe. And if that isn't true, I don't want to know about it. Don't burst my bubble. But G.I. Joe, every single G.I. Joe episode. You call it an episode if it's a cartoon? We'll call it an episode because it's more than a cartoon to me. It was a lifestyle, right? Every single G.I. Joe episode ended with sort of this public service announcement, right? This, this, this uh, word to the wise, as it were. And, 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 and it would finish that little word to the wise, this PSA, this public service announcement, with these, this phrase, knowing is half the battle. Knowing is half the battle. If we were doing G.I. Joe episodes today, there's no doubt in my mind 
that there would be somebody at the end of one of those G.I. Joe episodes that would say, wear your mask, knowing is half the battle, or get your vaccine, knowing is half the battle. And hey, I can tell you that I got my second vaccine this week. I didn't grow a horn. Nothing crazy happened. It's fantastic. So I encourage you to do that. But knowing is half the battle. What's the other half of the battle? Defeating Cobra is what Kevin said this week when he proofed my sermon. Some of y'all did not watch G.I. Joe at all, did you? Either y'all are too old or too deprived. This afternoon at my house, there will be a G.I. Joe marathon for anybody that wants to stop by because we've got to get on board. Y'all have got to do better at responding to my sermon illustrations. But if knowing is, is half the battle, what's the other half? If if knowing wisdom, if, if growing in knowledge and understanding, if that's half the battle, how do, we, how do we get across the finish line? This morning, that's what I want us to wrestle with a little bit. How can I be wise? Not how can I be smart. Not how can I know some good things. How can I be wise? When I say be, that, that carries with this idea of what I am, right? I, I am wise. So that people would look at you and say, not, not, Hey, that guy made a good decision that one time, or that guy made some money, or, or that guy's got a good-looking wife, or anything like that. But they might look at you and say, you are a person of wisdom, right? That Man, your wife is so wise. Man, you're, you are so wise. The, the, the kind of person that people would come to for instruction, for, for help, for guidance. How do we become those sorts of people? Now, I, I do want to say this, as believers in Jesus, I believe that we have um, a, a, a command, really, at least close to that, that we would grow in wisdom. We should be more wise with, if not each passing day, at least each passing year. But how do we get there? If knowing's only half the battle, what's the second part? Uh, I, now, Solomon is an interesting case study in wisdom. Because what we're going to see, now generally what we want to avoid doing is something sort of what I'm going to do with this sermon today, which is to sort of use your text as a springboard to go somewhere else. And to some degree this morning, we're going to do something very different from what I would normally do in a sermon, because we're going to begin with this place where Solomon asks for wisdom, and then we're going to explore the ways that some other passages in the Bible teach us to grow in wisdom, but also we're going to make it to a place where we realize that even though Solomon was given this gift of wisdom from the Lord, Solomon didn't finish his days living as a man of wisdom. Solomon didn't finish his days committed to the Lord. And that's going to be because Solomon got a great gift from the Lord, but Solomon, Solomon didn't finish the drill, as it were. So how, do we, how can we be wise? I mean, I'm, I'm really asking you, how can you be better than Solomon? You say, is that possible? And I'm here to tell you, I believe that it is. First of all, you're going to start at the beginning. Now, Solomon began in a good place, right? The Bible says that Solomon is offering these sacrifices to the Lord in the high place. Now, understand that this was not a, a bad thing. The temple was not yet built. This was a common practice. They would go and they would offer sacrifices there until such time. Now, Solomon is, is going to oversee the building of the temple. And once the temple is built, then all the sacrifices are going to move to that place. But prior to that, there are other places the sacrifices were offered. And so the Bible teaches us that Solomon went to Gibeon, and there he offered this massive sacrifice before the Lord. This, this is Solomon's regular practice. Solomon is a man who apparently fears the Lord because the Bible says that the Lord appears to Solomon and says, Solomon, what do you want? And Solomon doesn't say, make me healthy, wealthy, and or, or, well, I guess he does say wise, but he doesn't say, give me health and wealth. 
He, he doesn't say, give me lands and wives. Solomon says, Lord, I am nothing. And I've been called to this great task. God, I cast myself at your mercy. I need your guidance. How can you grow in wisdom? Start at the beginning, just the way that Solomon did. Start right there. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Where does wisdom begin? It begins with knowing the Lord, understanding the Lord. You know, often we want to run straight to the end, don't we? I've told you guys, and y'all are going to get tired of hearing it, but I'm trying to learn to play the guitar. And, and it's, it's painful. Y'all are probably never going to hear me play the guitar unless you happen to swing by my office one day when I'm practicing. I do it in private so that nobody can have to suffer through all of those things. But, you know, I, I want to play the guitar well. I want to pick up that acoustic and sound like James Taylor. I do. You know, I... I don't know if you guys watched the Super Bowl this year, but the halftime show was horrible. We turned it off. I mean, we're not putting ourselves through that. Instead, what we did as good parents is we sat, at least the older two, I don't know where the little ones were, we sat the older two down in front of an iPad, and we pulled up the halftime show when Prince did the halftime show. Do y'all remember that in the rain? Do y'all remember Prince playing Purple Rain in the rain? And I said, that's what I want to be. I want to play that guitar like that. I watched Prince play a George Harrison tribute, and he played that thing, and he, his guitar, I, I, I think his guitar actually wept as he played. And he finished it, and, and have y'all seen this? And what does he do? He plays, and he plays, and it's all carefully orchestrated. He's got some guy that catches him. I need y'all to do this when I'm preaching somebody. Somebody stands at, the, at the, the, the stage like this, and he lays all the way back, and he's playing the whole time, and they catch him. It's like the ultimate mosh pit experience. And then this dude just sets him straight back up. Now, Prince is like five foot four, 127 pounds or something. It's a little bit easier. Y'all going to need two of y'all to do that for me, at least. But... Um, <laughs> I can't do that. Do y'all understand? Like I, I, I y'all, y'all remember that those power chords from the '80s, like the '70s and the '80s. Deep Purple starts off "Smoke on the Water" and it's dun. I, I can't do that. I want to, right? I can't. Kevin says I can. You know I can't. You're lying in front of all these people. I want to be able to do it. I want. I told Ansel I was laying in bed last. I'm reading a book about guitars because I'm consumed with this. I'm obsessed. That might be the word. And so I'm reading a book about the history of guitars and such a dork. Um, and it, but it's on my Kindle, so I can read it in bed with the lights off. It's a beautiful thing. And I'm laying there, and I, I roll over to Angela. I say, Angel, honey. And she says, yes, dear. I said, I think I need an electric guitar as well. <laughs> so that I can plug it into an amp in the den and really, really own this. I got like this grunt in silence. I don't know what that means. I think it meant yes. So I'm saving my money. I'm not there, right? And I'm 40 years old when I start learning to play the guitar. I probably won't get there, which I might. I mean, Jimi Hendrix died at 27. Y'all understand that? He achieved that level. I mean, Jimi Hendrix played the Star Spangled Banner at like 27 years old or 26. Maybe I can get there. If Jimi could get there, I can get there. Probably not, right? It's probably not going to happen. Probably don't have enough time. But I know this much. I know that... That with the guitar, anything else, I, 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 I've got this goal of where I might want to be. And somewhere in our brains, we, we, I guess it's our, our pride, our arrogance. We tend to believe that we can just skip right over the starting line and make it all the way to the finish. Well, I just ran completely out of the picture. 
we're trying to figure out all this new TV technology with us indoors. Um, but we, we want to be able to do this. And I want to get to the finish. And I do. Right? I want to be there. But the reality is that I, I, I got to start somewhere. When I decided I wanted to play guitar, I started shopping for a guitar. I was going to buy a guitar so I could play the guitar. And I sat down with Kevin. I said, Kevin, you know, you've got this, this clause in your, your, uh, your, your um, work contract. It's not the right word. In your, whatever you call it. You've got this clause that says other duties as assigned by senior pastor. Kevin, I'm the senior pastor. You're our worship leader. And one of your other duties is to help me learn to play the guitar I said, so I want to buy a guitar. He looked at me. He said, you're going to go buy a guitar. I said, I want to buy a guitar. He says, maybe before you go buy a guitar, you should actually pick up a guitar and try to play a guitar for a little while and see if, you know, this is a wise investment in your money. And so he's like, I got this one here that literally Adam had glued back together. You can try this one and see if it works. And so I started playing. I said, man, I want to play this. He says, here's where you're going to start. If you can play these three chords, and if you can learn these three chords, then you can come back to me, and I'll actually help you do something else but until you do this I'm not doing anything I said man I'm your boss I didn't say anything I just said yes sir and I walked away because I had to start somewhere you understand it and 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 I wasn't running yet y'all I wasn't even crawling when it comes to us growing in wisdom man we we want to get all the way to like King Solomon writing the Proverbs I want to be that, that, that wise old grandma that's giving out all of these axioms. But we got to start at the starting place. And the place where we begin, according to God's word, is with the fear of the Lord. Now remember, when the Bible says fear of the Lord, this, this is not like I'm afraid that God's going to beat me. This is this reverent fear, this, this love relationship, this appropriate love relationship with the Lord that I, I humble myself before this one who is greater than me. This is where wisdom begins. You don't, you don't begin with being able to do all the things. You begin with, Lord, I don't know anything. That's where wisdom begins. God, I have this thing in front of me and Lord you are great and I am I am not start at the beginning and can I just give you a side note don't be embarrassed to start at the beginning I'm, I'm, this is hopefully my last guitar story for the day but I, I will tell you the truth like the, the hardest thing for me to overcome and I've, I've only been at this for what like two months now so it's not like I'm a, a, a good at it but the hardest thing for me to overcome in the first two weeks that I was trying I was so incredibly embarrassed about what I was doing I didn't I mean I didn't Kevin said here's a pick I said man I don't want to pick I don't want anybody to hear what I'm doing like I, I, I just need it to be quiet so nobody can hear but listen everybody has to start somewhere And it's okay to start wherever you are. And when it comes to wisdom, start where you are. It's okay to start at the beginning. Man, I celebrate that. Come on, we love you. Lord God, here I am trying my best to love you, live for you, and honor you. God, I don't know what in the world I'm doing, but Lord, here I am. So God, if you can take this mess and do something with it, Lord, here it is. 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the minute that you get that, that you understand that, you're okay. This is where Solomon was. Solomon goes to the Lord and he offers these sacrifices. And the Lord says, Solomon, there's this great opportunity in front of you. How can I, what would you ask of me? Solomon says, Lord God, I'm nothing. You have everything. Start at the beginning. The second thing this morning is to be reasonable. Do you want to be wise in addition to starting in the right place? You need to focus on remaining pliable, reasonable, being a good listener. Now, you say, really? Interestingly, the Bible says that. James 3.17, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Wise people are good listeners and they are open to reason. Take a deep breath because I'm going to say something that might be hard for some of you to hear. This is why I doubt most of our politicians are wise at all. This is why I doubt most of our news media is wise at all. Because they spend their whole time shouting and screaming and they never take a breath to listen. Now this is where I go to dabbling even further. Let me encourage you. Folks, I believe the only hope for sanity in our country today is for the church of Jesus Christ to assert her rightful place. And her rightful place is not one of pride and power, but one of weakness and humility. And for the church of Jesus Christ to become the kind of people who vote for people that act like Jesus. Think about that. Because wisdom is not in shouting and screaming and name-calling. It's peaceable, open to reason. Wise people are good listeners. Now, it's not always easy. It's not always in politics. Just yesterday, I went and bought a new pair of shoes. I bought some running shoes. Now, I'm not a runner. Y'all can look at me and tell that, right? I'm, I'm not a runner, but I do run for my health when it gets above 75 degrees. Below 75, I'm not running. I'm a pansy. If I can't sweat, I don't want to run. But it gets above 75, and, and I, I like to run. And that run for me usually is two, two and a half miles. Rarely is it more than three. Every once in a while, Angela has these crazy ideas. She says, hey, we should run a 5K as a family. And I go, oh, yeah, that'd be great. So then I run 3.1 miles exactly. I stop at the finish line, then I'm good until the next time she makes me do it. But I went and I bought a pair of running shoes. But I've had some pretty significant pain in one of my heels. And so I actually went to a running store. And I said, hey, I'm here to buy a pair of shoes. And this sweet lady said, what shoes do you want? I said, I think I want those. Those are the ones I've been wearing. And she takes me over and she shows me the shoes I've been wearing. And uh, then she started asking me some questions. And, and, and uh, she said, well, I'll get those for you. I said, is this what I really need? And she looked at me for a minute. And she said, well, I mean, if this is what you want. I said, no, is this what I need? She said, well, you know, I have to gauge my, my customers a little bit because not everybody's actually open to, to me giving encouragement. I said, look, lady. I said, I, I don't know what I'm doing. You look at me. I'm not a runner. You know what you're doing. Can you help me? She said, if you want to be helped, I can help you. She said, but you'd be amazed at how often people come in here and they don't actually want my help. She said, you'd be amazed how often people cuss at me when I try to help them buy shoes. Well, I thought that was the craziest thing in the world. 
Now, I'm 40 years old, and I've been wearing the same shoe size for at least 20 years, and then this lady, she took all these different measurements of my feet. I walked on this little thing, and it measured my pressures here, and I stood on this thing, and it made this 3D image of my feet. Some of y'all have been there, I know. But I'm impressed by things that don't impress y'all at all. That's fine. But she did all this, and she looks at me, and she says, uh, What's your name? I said, Craig. She said, Craig, I think what you need is this. I said, excuse me? She said, I, I, you're measuring. I think you need a wide. I said, I don't have wide feet. I don't. What? And you might need a, a half size. I said, lady, I've been wearing this same shoe for 40, not 40, for 25 years. I've been the same shoe size. You're telling me I'm wrong? I didn't say all that, but I wanted to because somewhere inside of me, this reaction rose up to this lady correcting me. The more we talked, I felt bad because I was there for so long. I have, I have, um, I, I, I don't select things. Well, I have this, this bad habit of, of, of overanalyzing everything. And so she brings out all these shoes and all this stuff, and I'm trying to make all these decisions. And, and, and the whole time, I just don't want to hear what she's saying over something as stupid as my shoe, like any of y'all even know what size my shoes are. And see, this is where wisdom comes in. Wisdom is open to reason. My flesh said, lady, don't tell me what to do over something as dumb as my shoes. And if we can get impassioned over shoes, how much more things that really matter in the world. But the Bible says, wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Impartial and sincere. What is impartial and sincere? What is impartiality? How is it beneficial in our society? How can someone be impartial and be faithful? Some of it relies or lies in a commitment to dispassionate dialogue. As Christians, we need to be experts in dispassionate dialogue. We need to be the kind of people who can have hard conversations in soft voices. We need to be the kind of people that can listen before we speak. Now, keep in mind, I'm the loudest human on the planet. That's not true. There was actually a pastor here before me that was multiple times louder than me. But beside him, I'm about as loud as it gets. I get it. I'm not always the best listener. As a matter of fact, somebody called me the other day, and I, it, was, it was a pastor. He had texted me and said, Craig, I'm, I'm working through something. Can you help me? I've got a problem. You know, I went and heated up my lunch, and then I called him because I knew I needed to listen more than I needed to talk, and I knew that if my mouth wasn't full, I'd be inclined to interrupt him. So I'm chewing on my lunch the whole time he's telling me what he's got going on because I needed to be a listener. The Bible says that wise people are listeners. As believers, we're committed to truth. And the truth might be that your foot is wide and not normal size. And the truth might be that you've misinterpreted the Scripture. The truth might be that there's something else in the world that you're not aware of. The truth might be that even you were taught the wrong things growing up. But we've become such a caustic society, even within the church, that the moment that somebody walks in and says, you know... I'm not sure that's exactly what the Bible says. Man, we throw a hissy fit. What do you mean? I know what it says. That's fundamentalism. It's ugly. It's mean. It turns people off. 
And it doesn't look a whole lot like what James says about being first, first, pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Why should we be impartial? Because the only thing that we are partial to is this truth. And when I am impartial, and when I am sincere and peaceable and humble, when I'm living with wisdom, I'm open to the reality that somebody else may have an understanding of something better than my own. I'm even open to the reality that I might misunderstand something. When somebody walks into me and they say, hey, I've been reading the Bible and I think it says this. Well, that's not what I've been taught to believe my whole life. Well, I've got a couple of opportunities there. I can either jump up and down and scream and yell and tell them how, how crazy and, and dumb and unfaithful they are, or I can take a minute and I can listen. And I can hear them. And then I can run back to the Word of God. And I can go to the, to the, to the Holy Spirit and say, Pray, Lord God, give me wisdom and understanding. And somebody says, I... I I've come to believe that what the Bible says about Solomon isn't true, that he just didn't have all these things, perhaps. And you go to him and you say, okay, you're, I'm, you, please explain to me how you arrived at that position. And they say, well, I arrived at that position because I watched this Discovery Channel documentary and it said this. Okay? And then we can go, aha, those evil liberals in the Discovery Channel that don't know anything about you. Or we can go... Well, and that's one perspective, but what, if, what about these verses that say this? And I can be peaceful and reasonable. Perhaps somebody comes to you and they say, you know what, I, I've been studying the book of Revelation, and I grew up my whole life with all these charts. My church had all these charts, but the more I read the book of Revelation, I'm not sure that, I'm not sure that I've understood the book of Revelation properly. And the more I read it, the more I, I, I believe that this might be a reality. Again, we can jump up and down and scream and go, Oh, I caught you. You're a secret liberal that's snuck into our church to take us away from the gospel. Or we can go, Well, show me how you arrived at that place. Folks, let me just... If, if, if I read God's word right, and if I read Jesus correctly, he was not nearly as argumentative as our culture is, and even as we are within the local church oftentimes. He was not nearly even as argumentative sometimes as Craig Thompson is tempted to be. And then I go to James. And what's James all about? Now, you've heard the word James, and I'm going to teach you how to put it into action. Here's how we're going to practice it. Be reasonable. As believers, we're committed to truth. And if someone has an argument, we listen to it because if it is true, we cling to it. Right? We cling to it. Because we believe that all truth is God's truth. Every single word is God's truth. So we're open, we're reasonable, we're listeners, we're gentle. And can I say this? Even when we're right, okay? So we're right, whatever that right is about. Somebody says, I don't believe, I don't believe Jesus actually rose from the grave. Again, we can kick the door in and scream about how wrong they are. 
And a good chance they'll come back to church next week and go, boy, thank you so much for beating me up with that truth. I can't wait to get more about Jesus. That ain't going to happen, right? Like a lot of times when people come and they say, I don't believe that Jesus ever actually existed. Look, they've not actually wrestled with the truth at that point. Jesus is the most historically attestable figure in the ancient world, period. But we've got wisdom means that we are peaceable, gentle in our response. Jesus met this woman at the well. You might have heard the story. John chapter 4, you all remember that? Jesus meets this woman at the well. This woman is a woman with a terrible reputation. And she earned it, okay? Like, we should be honest, she earned it. And, and it's possible it wasn't all her fault. We don't know. I mean, this could be a woman who was a victim of, of what we would today call sex trafficking. We don't know. That's all conjecture. But this is a woman who has a bad reputation because she's lived with a whole bunch of people. She's been around. No woman wants her husband to be seen with that woman. And Jesus meets her. And, you know, Jesus speaks the truth to her. But he does it with gentleness. We've got to be gentle people. Rarely, rarely is the situation going to call for us to be anything other than gentle. And when it does, at least if we take Jesus as the picture, when it does, nine times out of ten, that lack of gentleness is shown towards whom? Towards the, the religious people around him. Jesus isn't speaking to the outsiders. He's speaking to the insiders. When Paul gets real testy, he's speaking to the insiders. And when James writes the book of James, which is pretty strong and tough stuff to chew up, he's writing to the people in the church. So those people outside the church that are held captive by the evil one, captive to their sin, and we go to them, we speak to them the truth, but we speak it reasonably. We speak it with peace and gentleness, kindness. How can I be wise? Start at the beginning. Fear the Lord. Be reasonable. Now, Solomon was apparently reasonable at this point. Let's not miss that. I, I want to come back to where we were. Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. It's pretty reasonable, isn't it? When's the last time you, you, you literally found yourself before the Lord saying, God, I have no idea what I'm doing? See, this reasonableness doesn't begin with my interaction with other people. This reasonableness begins with my posture before the Lord. God, I don't know what I'm doing. God, I'm overwhelmed. Lord, help me. So be reasonable. And finally, walk with vigilance. Now, this is where we see Solomon failing the test. Turn with me, if you will, to 1 Kings chapter 11. And I'm going to read to you verses 1 through 8. I'll let you turn there. Now, King Solomon loved many foreign women, along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, You shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall they with you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods." Solomon clung to these in love. He had 700 wives who were princesses and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess 
the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. So Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and did not wholly follow the Lord as David his father had done. Then Solomon built a high place for Shemash, the abomination of Moab, and for Molech, the abomination of the Ammonites, on the mountain east of Jerusalem. And so he did for all his foreign wives who made offerings and sacrifices to their gods. This is where Solomon fails the test. What Solomon's life teaches us is that one can be endowed with great gifts of wisdom. One can start strong, but unless one walks with vigilance, wisdom will fall by the wayside. Solomon began with great prominence. Excuse me, with great promise. Israel is unified, there's peace and prosperity, but later in his life, when we find ourselves in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse, verses 1-8, through 8, Solomon began with this great wisdom, but he turned from the wisdom of the Lord to his own ideas and his own understanding. Now, maybe he didn't start out to turn from the Lord. Most, most people don't, right? Most people don't open up like a notebook one day and just go, boom, today I'm following Jesus and tomorrow I'm, I'm, I'm chasing after Molech. Right, I, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk away from my, my Christian commitments and tomorrow I'm walking towards paganism. And nobody does that. Instead, these are, these are small steps and, and usually they're, they're what we would almost term innocent. Maybe, maybe Solomon did what many of us have done. Just this once I'll transgress the Lord's commandment. Just this once. Won't be a big deal. Maybe he was a little more bold. Maybe, maybe he convinced himself that there was just, you know, I know God said that, but God didn't understand this. Side note, the writer of Hebrews teaches us that Jesus experienced all the temptations that we've experienced, yet was without sin. I've been reading a little book called Gentle and Lowly by a guy named, I believe, Gavin Ortland. One of the cool things in that book is he he shows how the fact that Jesus resisted sin in the face of all those temptations means that Jesus actually suffered more than we did. Because we actually ease our suffering when we give in to the sin. Jesus never gave in. He suffered more than you and I have. Not just on the cross. Before he ever got there, he suffered. Because he was tempted and tried just as we are yet without sin. Solomon experienced these temptations, but he didn't suffer. Instead, Solomon indulged himself. You know, there's a difference between wrestling with sin and welcoming sin. I, I, I share that with folks, especially people that are wrestling with, with addictions. Many people wrestle with their addictions. There's one thing to wrestle. There's another thing to welcome them, to feed them. We've got to starve those things and feed the spirit. We've got to starve the flesh. We don't know exactly how it all went down with Solomon. Maybe it began as a political statement, right? We were talking about government officials earlier. Well, Solomon's the king as well. I heard, ooh, side note. I had somebody say this to me one time. Don't ever say this to me because I'll struggle with this whole gentleness thing, right? I said, well, Craig, you got to understand, like, there's one kind of Christianity, but then as a politician, there's a different kind of Christianity, I, I, was, I was seated when it happened, and I, I rose. I was levitating just a moment. I was, whoa, whoa. and then I, I tried to catch some of the words, but I didn't do so. Don't ever say that, right? 
Well, because of my position, my Christianity looks different. Jesus had a pretty significant position, and yet his faith looked pretty, pretty solid. But maybe Solomon made that argument. Well, as the king, I can't be expected to live like all the other people. I mean, you know, I've got, I've got to keep up appearances. I mean, Pharaoh, Pharaoh is, is trying to forge an alliance here, and all i got to do is marry his good-looking daughter, and if I'll just do that, and maybe, I mean, who knows how much what the dowry's worth, and, you know, I, I mean, the, 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 listen, we're just Israel. We're trying to establish ourselves here. We're, we're the upstart. I mean, we're just two kings into this whole kingdom thing. Hadn't been that long since Moses was, was leading us out. And now Pharaoh's like, hey, I, I want to I wanna have a, a treaty. And, and Solomon's like, yeah, that's right. We're equals, me and Pharaoh. So I'm going to marry his daughter. And, and the Lord will understand because this is a, this is a unique circumstance. Then the king of you know, the, the, the Ammonites maybe, or the Moabites, or whomever, one of the, the, the princes there, I got a daughter, and you know, Solomon, you got a lot of money, you got all these horses, and I got some horses, and you know what, there's, there's a lot of trade opportunities here, and you know, Solomon, you got a good thing going, we got a good thing going, i tell you what, I, I'm gonna, I'm, if, if you'll marry one of my daughters, then, then we can really solidify this, and Solomon, yeah, that sounds like a good plan, next thing you know, Solomon has 700 wives. We can't even explain that. There's nothing. Men, don't even take the bait. Walk away. You, you will lose right here, okay? Be thankful for your wife. Don't say something stupid. Okay, I'm not going to and you better not, right? Okay, I, ladies, I warned them. So if they do it, they're on their own at this point. Y'all do what you need to do. But 700, why? remember, the Lord had given specific instructions to the kings of Israel. When you have a king... Tell him not to get a bunch of wives, not to amass for himself great wealth, and then he is to commit this law to memory. I don't know if Solomon committed the law to memory. We know he transgressed at least two of those, right? And the whole time, I, I, I don't know Solomon, obviously, but I, I know me, and I know people pretty well. And I'd be willing to bet if I was a gambling man that the whole time Solomon's going, eh, it's all right. It's just the Lord will understand. No big deal. Solomon's like, I ain't been out of church that long. It ain't been that big a deal. Well, just this one time, just this one month, just this one pandemic, whatever, just this one year, just yeah, I'll get back around to it. I'll get right with the Lord before I die. I got time. And what ends up happening? Solomon walks away from the Lord, didn't come back. As a matter of fact, Solomon's folly, his failure, actually leads to a divided kingdom. How about that? Maybe Solomon had convinced himself that if he would just transgress the Lord's commandments, then he could establish these political um, uh, alliances that would actually strengthen the kingdom. But it turns out that God knew what he was talking about. It turns out that as Solomon scattered his focus, as Solomon sought out his own glory rather than God's glory, it turns out that Israel didn't grow stronger, Israel grew weaker. And what you know and you'll learn as you read through God's word in the next couple of weeks is that the kingdom actually is divided. 
Solomon is the last king of a united kingdom. How, does he, how do we get there? He started off so well. Well, he got there because he didn't finish. The goal of the Christian life and of the wise life is to finish. It's not always to win, it's to finish. I had a friend who ran a marathon once. His goal, finish. He didn't set a time. Just keep running. Do you want to be wise? If you're a follower of Jesus, you really don't have an option. The Bible says that we are to grow in discernment and wisdom. So when I ask you that, what I mean is this. Do you want to be obedient to the Lord? So the answer for followers of Jesus has to be, yes, I want to be wise. How do I get there? You start at the beginning. It seems simple enough, but often we'll run before we walk. Start at the beginning. Fear the Lord. Trust the Lord. Love the Lord. Start your days with Jesus. End your nights with Jesus. Spend time in his word. Well, Craig, I want to learn Revelation. Great. Fine. I want to dig into Romans. Okay. I want, I want to get into prophecy. All right, that's fine. But before you, just, just learn to crawl first. It's okay. Spend time with the Lord. Be reasonable. Be a listener. Wise people listen to others, and they listen with an openness to change. I, I, I feel like I could preach six sermons on that. As evangelical Christians... As followers of Jesus, folks, we have to readopt a posture of humility, openness, reasonableness. I'm going to say something that's going to be a shock to you. You don't know everything. I don't know everything. We don't know everything. And the more we shout, the less we learn. Christians can be the worst because we can be so infected with culture that rather than listening to what the people who disagree with us have to say, we just jump on Facebook and tell them how wrong they are. When's the last time you took somebody to lunch who disagreed with you and said, I, I want you to help me understand where you're coming from? That's, I said took them to lunch because if they disagree with you, there's probably no better way for you to show openness and gentleness than to pay for their lunch. Okay? If you can't afford lunch, pay for their coffee. But be reasonable. Be a listener. You want to be wise? Start at the beginning. Fear the Lord. Be reasonable. Be, be a listener. Ephesians 5 says that we are to be careful how we walk. We are to redeem the time because the days are evil. We shouldn't be surprised. The Bible said they're evil days. Yeah. Why in the world are Christians pulling their hair out and jumping up and down going, look at this world. It's going to hell in a handbasket. It has been for at least 2,000 years. As a matter of fact, if we believe the Bible, it's been going that way since when? Since Adam and Eve fell. Oh, America's falling away. Church, would... America's been falling away. Open your eyes. If it's not this sin, it was something else. Maybe you didn't notice it before because the sins before were the ones that were comfortable. 
I heard that. Mm. It's true. Be reasonable, open to wisdom. And then finally, walk with vigilance. Walk. Be careful how we walk. Redeem the time. The days are evil. Do you want to be wise? Start small, grow with a teachable spirit, and then keep going. Each year, this is crazy. Each year, there are a few races that pit humans against horses. Okay? And they're, they're distance races. Okay? They range from 20 or 22 miles all the way to 100 miles. And for the record, anybody that runs 100 miles, there's something wrong there. But, it, you know, my, my assumption is that there's really no competition, that these horses are just going to walk off and leave them. You know, it turns out it's not true. It turns out that the horses usually win, but occasionally people win the race. And even when a horse wins, there's this mixed bag. It's not like all the horses finish and then all the people come in. No, like there's this mixed bag. And the people sort of... And here's what's nuts. You know... A lot of these people who run these 100-mile races, they're not like 28 or 18. They're like 45, 50. Old, real old, you know. All these ultra-marathoners are, 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 I mean, they're like for, for athletes' consideration, they're old. Got a guy I know a little bit. He ran an ultra-marathon. He's 30, 31 years old. He was the youngest guy in the race. Because it turns out that running these ultra marathons is less to do with your body and more to do with your mind. It turns out, so the guy that, that, that looked into some is a Harvard professor named Daniel Lieberman. And he studied this phenomenon related to the horses and the humans racing one another. And, and he has this theory. And his theory is that humans can sometimes beat the horse. Because they're just tougher. There's the mental fortitude. In other words, they just keep running. It's the reason you don't have 25-year-olds that race in these ultra-marathons. They ain't tough enough. They've not suffered enough in life yet. You've got to be a little older. You've got to understand that running a race of 100 miles is just about keep running keep going don't stop don't stop solomon quit he rolled over he was endowed with these incredible gifts from the lord and he started strong but then they reached a point where solomon just got tired of running and he quit Folks, it turns out that in our journey towards wisdom, if we'll just keep plugging away, just keep moving, we win. It's not always easy. People finish these 100-mile races bloodied and bruised, blistered, I mean, all the horrible things you might could imagine would happen to your feet. and everything. It, it happens. Frostbite. They just keep going. In the Christian life, if you'll just keep going, you win. Because the, 
The race is not to the swift, but you ready? To the faithful. Solomon looked around at the opportunities and said, "Ah, this isn't going to work. I need to chase after my own way. Turns out, knowing is only half the battle. The other half has nothing to do with G.I. Joe. Knowing is, is half. Matter of fact, some psychological research says that knowing is even less than half the battle. Because it turns out that if something is $19.99 or it's $20, even though you know, you know that $20 and $19.99 is basically the same thing, there's something like an 80% chance that you're more likely to buy the $19.99 thing than you would even consider the $20 thing because it turns out knowing is maybe not even half, maybe only like 20% of the battle. The rest of it is just to keep going to keep trusting, to keep moving. Solomon had this experience, and the Lord said, what can I give you? And Solomon says, I want wisdom. Solomon was unwilling to then run the race with endurance. Folks, as the people of Christ, in a world that's lost and dying and going to hell, we've got to be characterized as people of wisdom. Not worldly wisdom, biblical wisdom. It begins with the fear of the Lord. It continues with our commitment to walking with reasonableness and openness. But folks, we finish it by doing what? Just keep going. So here's my challenge for you today. Let's call it an invitation. It's not really a challenge. Will you just keep moving? Will you just keep moving? We're going to sing Amazing Grace in just a minute. Amazing Grace, my chains are gone. Will you just keep moving? When everything seems to work against you, will you just take another step? See, there's this thing about faith that the Lord's waiting for us at the next step. He's right there. Take that step. He's there. Is it hard right now? Take the step. Is it tempting to do something else? Take the step. Do you want to give in and be angry with the people that tell you you're wrong? Take the step. Do you want to look like the world? Take the step. Will you take it even if it's hard? And then, how about this? If you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, would you take the step toward Him today? If maybe all of your flesh says no, would you today consider taking a step toward Jesus that says, I don't know what this life in Christ looks like 100%, but I know that I want it. Would you take the step today? Would you step toward Jesus? Here's my promise and his promise. He will not turn you away. Will you take one step today? And then another step tomorrow and another step. And if you can't step, will you crawl? And if you can't crawl, will you just look? There's nothing like the look of our children. I'm done right here. There's nothing like the look of of our children when they need us, is there? How many parents have ever turned away their child when they just looked? Daddy. When they couldn't crawl, they couldn't walk, they just needed you. 
If you can't step, if you can't crawl today, would you look to Jesus? He will meet you there. We're going to stand in a minute and we're going to sing. I'll be standing right over here. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to help you take that next step toward Christ. Perhaps you'd like to come right here. Maybe the step you need to make today is a step right up here on your knees before the Lord and say, Lord God, I need to be that wise person. It might be that for some of you, the step that you'll make today is to stand and to sing, my chains are gone, I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. Whatever step you have, would you step? Jesus is waiting to catch you today. Stand with me as we pray. Father God, I pray that you would draw people to yourself. Lord God, give us courage when we don't have it. Give us faith when we don't have it. Help us to take that step. To crawl that crawl, Lord God, is to look. And to trust that when we do, our Savior will pick us up. We pray these things in the powerful name. The powerful name of Jesus who walks with us every step of the way. Amen. Let's sing.